Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm H. A. Conrad, and on the West Coast is my intrepid but somewhat under the weather co-host Stuart Tiffin. We seem to be uh, trading back and forth on this count. Yeah, yep. Um, coming at you, COVID. The good thing the pandemic's over, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. We waited. We waited until it was over to have our second go around in my family. <laughs> well, I I wish you a speedy recovery. Um, but you know the thing. You know what'll make you feel better is talking about the Silo series. Imagine how they dealt with disease. I think there's some stuff to talk about in the show as it goes there's, on. There's lots to talk about. Yeah. Um, the show and and I have to say it was worth the wait so I and I am being I am behaving myself I did not go forward I just watched the two prescribed episodes um, because everybody knows I cannot keep these things straight once I get into it so well if I say anything that doesn't make sense you know shut me down fair. hold me accountable fair, because fair. I have not been behaving myself <laughs> well um, so, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it or don't know about it yet, this is, um, the silo series and it's on Apple TV. Um, it has an incredible cast, um, lots of people that even if, um, you don't necessarily know them, um, immediately just, you'll see familiar faces like those omnipresent people, but n- notedly, uh, Rashida Jones, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, David um, uh, Oye Luo and uh, Harriet Walker at Common, Tim Robbins, uh, to name a few. Also, Billy Postlethwaite, uh, who is Pete Billy Postlethwaite, son of Pete Postlethwaite. What? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, There's uh, no family resemblance between those two men. Not at but, all. Not oh at my all, god. But, yeah, I right? was that blew my mind when I saw that. Um, uh, people talk a lot we- about Rebecca Ferguson real quick. I know that you've said that you and Bill are big fans of hers. And I kind of like hearing you say that. I'm like, oh, I should probably know this person. And I recognize her face from the Dune movie, but like not at, from much else. Like, where is her oh, I, on I mean, Rotten Tomatoes? They talk about her inestimable star power. I'm like, what? What have I yeah. not been seeing? Like, what is she well, in? She was in the um, um, Mission Impossible uh, Rogue Nation and then um, Fallout as well. So she was in that. Um, she was in The Greatest Showman, I think. Um, and then I don't know if you saw Girl on the Train, but she was in that as well. So, I mean, a lot of things over, I mean, she's been pretty prolific in terms of her career. Um, but did you not see the Mission Impossible films? Because she's pretty I, amazing in those. Okay. I haven't seen one of those in a while. So maybe it's, I think I just got tired of Tom Cruise at some point. It could could be, could be. Um, but she's really, I mean, she's really, really good. Um, also, I feel like she was in, what is the sort of sequel to uh, The Shining? Um, Dr. Sleep. She was in Dr. Sleep as um, one of the main kind of baddies Uh uh, so th- she was in that, um, and those are just to name a few. But yeah, she's she's quite she's out there a lot, but maybe not in the circles that you frequent. Yeah, guess not. Or All right, mean- but so her credentials are not to be questioned by the likes of me. She is uh, she is like the headliner for this show. Uh, even though you you start off like you said with Rashida Jones, my Who's wife, is, her face is kind of like the face of the show at first on Apple Plus. <laughs> Uh, Apple TV Plus, and my wife, who I've watched this show with, is like, "Oh, I love her! I can't wait to watch her in this show." And I guess you know, here's where we can put our spoiler alert for this episode. We're going to be talking about it, and, and yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of characters who come and go. Let's say yep. uh, on this show. Yep. Um, also, should mention uh, Fernand Kingsley and Will Patton. Um, Fernand Will Patton Kingsley. being very recognizable American actor. Yeah. Who was in Falling Skies? I don't know. Yeah. That seems to be like the thing he's being credited with, but I feel like he must he's be in a lot, though. Yeah. He's like all over the place. I mean, um... oh, yeah. He was in The Postman. I think he was the main bad guy in The Postman with uh, Kevin Costner. I know that was yeah. a terrible film that nobody yeah. really watched, but I had a thing for Kevin Costner movies in my younger days between Waterworld and The Postman, <laughs> these giant epics that he used to do. Yeah, and Wolves. 
dance with Wolf. Uh, but Will Patton was was the main villain in in the Postman. Yeah, and fantastic. And you'll and he's an amazing actor. So I don't know. Just let, and then Fernand Kingsley was um, uh, most recently, or where I was immediately recognizing him from. Um, he's in a lot, but he was in um, the Sandman uh, just as like a pretty significant character, Hob Gadling. Um, so that he was really awesome. Um, who was so, he? Who was that character? He's the one that kind of uh, like wants to to live forever, and like keeps visiting with the Sandman all the time. Oh right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very different. One of the things you'll notice about this cast is it's basically a who's who of British actors doing American accents, with a few exceptions, like Rashida Jones, like uh, Will Patton. And a couple of others. It's almost all. You go to the Wikipedia and it's like a British actor, you know, da 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 yeah. da, da da da. Rebecca Ferguson is Swedish, Irish, uh, like she's a, an exception, but otherwise it's mostly British, Scottish uh, actors. And another, another spoiler, but like, I mean, Rashida Jones is amazing in this, but she and the actor who plays her husband, um, David um, Oyelowo, um, they are both so good um and oh god yeah they are both so good and so it's it like i i think it's like one of these series and you know again if you haven't seen it yet stop this don't don't listen to us <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled you know you have the, the you know rashida jones um and you have like this cast and you and you know at least at this point there's only the two episodes that I have seen. Um, and David, uh, sorry, David Oyelowo plays uh, Holston Becker and Rashida Jones plays Allison. And, you know, it's this, it's this whole, which I like, I think this is kind of amazing. Um, but um, in terms of series that do this incredible job casting, um, just in terms of like, you have this sort of star-studded cast, but not everybody is going to be in it for the whole series, right? So, um, but they anchor it or they have a very significant role in setting things up. Um, and so The Last of Us, we talked a lot about this um, in terms of some of the the sort of cameos and guest appearances that we saw. And while this is a little bit more significant than some of that, um, I do some of those appearances, I do feel like this this reaches that level and i and i think that it adds to the quality of the overall series um because just with the the talent that is in this this cast um it really set up things so incredibly well and i was just really like what a beautiful series <laughs> it's just how it's filmed how it's edited um so we can get into some of that but i just thought that the casting was excellent yeah, the cast is fantastic. Um, you know, the production value is really, really good. I would love to see a behind the scenes on how they built and how they filmed the silo. I feel like they must have a physical set, a few floors of that central shaft, right. a couple floors maybe. But I mean, a lot of it's probably CG, but if it is, it's pretty damn good. Uh, right. Even those and vertical that's... like drone shot looking things where they're showing people on the stairs, they don't look fake. No, and they, I, I think that with all those things, they did just an incredibly good uh, job of world building here and giving you a sense, even in these, like, there's little moments where you just have characters kind of walking through and seeing sort of the, especially in this, the initial opener of this, um, just with, you know, having, just kind of getting a sense of where, what the silo is and revealing what it is or you know what you might think it is and that i thought was pretty cool especially if you hadn't read the books or whatever you get a sense of what you know what the makeup of this is pretty quickly um but then you get sort of little more in-depth windows into it as the episodes go on um you remember so, when you read the books uh, have you reread them recently i didn't reread them reread them um i read them pretty early when they came out because i remember waiting for like the last one the last installment i think to come out um and also similar to the martian they were um 
kind of re-editing them because they were, you know, there's a they were not in the best. I don't think that they were necessarily intended to be. I don't think people anticipated oh. how popular they would be. And yeah, so, the first chapter was a short story, and I'm sure there were continuity yeah. issues after that. Yeah, um, and so I think that they repaired certain things. So I don't, rec- I don't, I have not revisited it since you know this came out, and maybe I should. But in part, I almost also want to enjoy this without knowing too much because yeah. I forget a lot of it. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, you. I think if you've read the whole series, you have a sense of of where right. it's going. But uh, I realized I was looking back for when I bought this, and I bought it. I re- I bought this in 2012. The uh, the omnibus, anyway, so which was like the wool, the all the wool book. Um. And what a fantastic read. And I, I leafed through it just to remind myself because I was looking at the uh, the plot summary and things where I was like, I don't remember going like that. Um, there's definitely some changes between the, the book and the show. I don't think all of them are good. I don't think all of them are bad. Um, but we can we can talk about those as we as we go through. Uh, I think the yeah, main one it, is is like the source of Allison's uh inquisitive nature which is kind of what gets her into into trouble in this first episode. Well, I think one of the things that I'm really impressed by with how they're setting it up here and they do a little bit in the book too is that you don't necessarily know what this world is or what is going on in this world and they give you different clues and different um there there's like a slow reveal about what life in the silo is like. And of course, you're asking as a reader and also as a viewer, um, asking questions that even some of the denizens of the silo are asking, which is, you know, why are we like this? What is this world? Um, One of the things that I thought was kind of a a cool thing that they did or or just an, an interesting thing that they did is and you get this sense in the books, too. And I think they did a good job at translating this and transposing it into the series um, is uh, that there is a sense of safety. Like some of the people in the silo feel safety. It feels um, like more than just surviving. It feels like there is just a um, a routine to the life in the silo and not, you know, a lot of it feels positive overall, or at least on the surface until you start digging down a little bit more and there is that and i feel like one of the things that they set up really well is that there is sort of a a positive way of living here but the only reason that that's the case and it's quite tenuous is if you don't ask questions right if you just kind of do the routine that you're supposed to do follow the rules um even just talking about certain things or or sort of skirting things that are dangerous raises eyebrows or causes a level of anxiety and fear in other yeah. people. Well, so there's a even, literal phrase. Right. A phrase can get you killed if you say right. this phrase. Or it's not even just a phrase. It's like the sentiment of saying you want to leave is basically basically a death sentence. And we that, that's the end of the cold open. We, we learned that pretty quickly. And that's a, such, I mean, it's the first of many powerful scenes in this first pilot episode, but this one between Will Patton and David Oyewelo. I'm saying that completely wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, I am too, probably. Oye, but, Oye anyway, but yeah, is, that, that yeah, scene but, like where he's like, after everything we've been through, don't say it, don't say it. And then mm-hmm. their expressions. Oh my God. So that, that cold open, just to quickly go and talk about it, because it is one of these cold opens that you kind of have to go back and watch again, especially as you watch more of the show. Um, this first episode, even many of these episodes, I think you'll find as the show continues, you want to go back and revisit because there's stuff that's happening that is purposeful that you were like, wait, why did they do it that way? And so in the first uh, moments of the show, we see Holston Becker played by David Oye Lowo. Uh, he's putting on a badge. He's adjusting some flowers. He's screwing shut a, a, a vent, a ventilation shaft vent in his apartment. And then he walks to work with the um, voiceover monologue of, uh, we do not know who built the silo. We do not know, I think, why we are here. I don't know the, all the words exactly. All we know is that it is bad outside and yada, yada. Um he gets to work. He does some things. He writes some notes. He folds some papers, takes off his badge, and then uh, locks himself in a cell before uttering the words to Deputy Marnes, played by Will Patton. I want to go out. Yeah, it's uh, and and that's the thing. It's quite 
it's quite deliberate um, in all the setup that they do here. And, you know, I feel like um, it's, again, you're getting to learn a lot about the silo just by his sort of morning routine as he's walking through this day. And there isn't, I think they do a really great job of just the slow rolling of how significant this day is. And then they sort of backfill in different things as we go through the, the episodes. Um, and one of the, in addition to the sort of rule following and the sort of tenuous piece that there is, there is sort of a stress or a great importance on law and order. And his, so his role is quite important within the silo, but you don't necessarily know that initially as you're watching him walk through. Um, you get that later. Um, and then there's the other piece of it, which is that everybody else in terms of doing their jobs and there's like a different echelon of people. And we hear this a little bit as we go into these, these episodes as well. Um, but even just the, um, the simple phrase of like saying that you want to go outside and the fear and the, the expressions on people's faces when characters say this is really kind of amazing what that reveals in general. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought that this was really great the way that they roll this out. I'm, you know, sometimes when they jump around in time or in like diff different time frames, I don't think I, I sometimes think that that's lazy, but I actually think that that is one of the, the better things that they do in this um, in because of how it reveals different pieces of information and it doesn't sort of lay everything out on the table all at once. And so I think it's a much more interesting show for how they, they sort of deal with the timeline. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's, it is, it is an interesting, like, um, Matryoshka doll st style uh, chronology here where we start mm -hmm. with him saying the thing. And if I'd been listening three years ago, um, I couldn't listen, you know, and maybe she'd still be alive. I don't know if she he actually he doesn't say that, but uh, he, you see your first glimpse of Rashida Jones um, smiling in her suit as he lies down on the cot. And then we go to the credits. Uh, the title credits uh, is also pretty meaningful um we're looking at like imagery of apples uh decomposing and people climbing up these stairs and a dna sequence um just another example of like a stellar <laughs> a really good title sequence um i i know i've i bring this up on a fair amount of shows that we watch but i don't know that you feel the same way what about the just how cool this title sequence are the credits are Oh, I like I love them. I thought that the artwork was cool. I thought they were beautiful. Yeah, um, uh, and it definitely yeah. sets up a a feeling about what the like. It almost feels like a puzzle box the way that they reveal it. Yeah, or like an ant farm. It's uh, yep. very. It, it's very. Um, it's cool. It's cool to look at. Uh, we come into three years ago, though. After the credits, um, the his apartment, Holston. Becker's apartment is full of paintings. There's no photos. That's another thing you'll notice. Like no photos. Uh, their their ability to um, capture images is is through art. So they have paintings of each other. They have all these like in personalized mugs. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the world building, the set dressing in this entire show is fantastic. But you just can't like look at a, a scene without seeing a dozen things that have been right. super meticulously placed there. Uh, the the technology they're using, these computers, as they get their um, notification that they've been given permission to have to to have try and have a baby. Uh, everything that we're looking at feels like there's a design aesthetic. It's um, you know, like Loki had a real, a real design yep. aesthetic. This kind of, this, this does, does too. too, but what's different, what sets those apart is Loki felt uh, like old or retro. And this feels um, vintage and like patched together often. Yeah. Um, but and, very cool. You know, and then the other, the other piece of it, it's just like sort of the living quarters are just that um, everybody eats in the cafeteria. Um, so there are a couple scenes of, of them eating in their, in their apartment but right but they're taking yeah. things from the cafeteria to bring to the apartment so yeah, people probably. don't really 
have the the resources to do that so there's like the common areas um i mean the one the one thing that they reveal in the in the first episode just while, as he's doing sort of his walkthrough and you kind of get a glimpse into like a, a couple of the levels of the silo um i don't there was like cows in there which i just don't know that that would be feasible um but you know maybe i'm wrong um and you know they're just the different levels and the things that it takes to keep this community together um and going and they're very reliant on um tradition and you know they have the the whole freedom day celebrations and things like that freedom um, day is an incredible piece of of setting also just right. as but that's yeah like fantastic detail um, but, there, I, but there's also like just the idea that there's these different levels of the silo people sort of have their own levels and it seems to be somewhat based upon what they do um but you know in in an order and that was like such a great little piece of information it's like if you go or have like a job or a task in like a on a level that's like really far below yours you have to like actually stay there overnight because it's so far away um or whatever it, however many levels down it might be and so that's kind of an interesting thing it's like that your life is basically limited to these certain levels of the silo for the most part unless yeah. you have something else going on so and as the sheriff's wife allison lives probably i don't know what level they live on like probably in the top five right. um and yeah in that scene where she's going down i think she goes to like 68 which is the mids uh, yep. but it's like a long long day um but the other other things we're getting to see is the once they get permission to have a baby or try to have a baby she goes to a uh procedure and has a metal capsule removed from her by a doctor and says, okay, now you have 365 days to, uh, to make a baby. Uh, that's kind of the, that's, that is different from the book. I don't believe that there was this uh, pressure. The, the source of her inquisitive nature was more from the fact that she worked in it and was just like, mm -hmm. had access to data that I think this was a good change. She just had access to information that, was dangerous given right. the tenuous nature of the balance of the silo um, but for I her to for her to be driven to this by like why can't we have why can't we have a baby like we've tried three times we've had three years of having sex every day and we can't have, we can't make a baby right and i i thought that that was a good addition because it also shows sort of the level of control that yeah and and subterfuge um so we're gonna tell you that you can do this but you know this is not actually something that's real because we're not going to actually remove your birth control. Um, she and there's another woman who, who, you know, like Halston's definitely not into her. Um, the other woman that talks about fertility and things like that, and that it's dangerous to have these conversations. It's dangerous to ask these questions. And so I felt like that layer about the, the, the fertility and the, you know, winning the lottery to have a child was a good addition because it helped sort of reveal the level of secrecy and, and um, manipulation that's happening. Um, and then makes you wonder who, who is, who are the people manipulating it? Um, and then there's also a piece where you can see from another point of view that Allison might seem absolutely crazy um, that she's delusional, that this is just, something that she's come up with in her head and so um and so there is definitely a little bit of like oh you know he really loves her but who do you believe um because now she's talking like the woman that he absolutely wanted nothing to do with um you know conspiracy theories and things like that and what is real what is not um so it definitely plays with the audience in that way because i think they make it deliberately a little bit gray so that you're wondering a little bit too what's happening um so um, is this just a function of living in this these quarters and people slowly go crazy? Um, is this a real thing um, where people just need to have an adversary to kind of survive? Um, and maybe maybe these rules that are in place are there for a reason not to stave off sort of rebellion, but to stave off the madness. Um, like if people start questioning too much, um, are they going to go off the rails? So I feel like it explores a lot of those things really well. 
and in just a quite a an artful way. We so one of the things that is the same from the book is that Allison does work in IT. She does write this document about how to recover deleted files, and we get to meet Tim Robbins' character of Bernard. Mm-hmm. Um, Very briefly, briefly, I have a feeling he's going to be a little different from he is in the, from how he is in the books too. Um, there's definitely way more shade being thrown on judicial in these first two episodes than on IT. Um, And judicial is kind of represented in the second episode that we see today uh, that we saw to talk about today um, by common. (laughs) Uh, um, He is great. He is great. He just has that gravitas that. uh, (laughs) And, you know, you're kind of expecting him to burst into freestyle at any moment. Some of the promotional stuff that Hugh Howie has been putting posting has had common, like going to the premiere in London and just freestyling in his Uber or something. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, we got to get this. Nope. It's not as much of what he's doing in this. Um, Yeah. So it's, there's a, you're not really getting a sense of at this point anyway, of who are the baddies. Um, We, we have a sense that there are listeners. We have a sense that judicial is somehow more powerful than the sheriff. Maybe. Yeah. Like not, you're not really sure. Like, why is the sheriff not the ultimate law enforcement? Right. What, what is, what is really going on here? That's kind of interesting. Uh, we also have, you know, the introduction of George here, and this is part of what sets Allison off. Um, she's been asking some questions, but until she has the interactions with George, that is the sort of catalyst for where she really starts to be. Um, um curious and initially like so he has found this hard drive like and that's the whole thing in this in this world is that any relics quote-unquote relics um from prior to the rebellion have all been destroyed they don't want to their history has been destroyed and they like it that way or they don't want to explore delve into that further um knowledge is viewed as dangerous um and especially knowledge pre the rebellion pre-freedom day um and so george has Computer George has sort of lured her there um, <laughs> for like IT support, and he's very far down in the silo, so she has to go down on Freedom Day. And um, you know, since the Holston's working, she's like, "Oh, you know, I, I'll go down. I fi- I was on call, so I figured I would do this." And it turns out that George has been trying to get her to come down with overtly, like not overtly, because he didn't want to flag any, you know. Uh, it, cause any alarms to go off um but shows her the the drive that he has found which was under a carpet and so he um, says so he says and wants her help yeah we do take a lot of what he says at face value i think it's probably true but you never know i mean it looks like he's been he's probably going to be a little bit squirrely about where he finds things but um and initially you know she's like okay well this is you know this is probably something she's she gets into the sort of puzzle of trying to figure out the drive and unlocking it um and you know the whole instructions that he found that in part of why he wanted her to come down that bernard got really upset about um were taken down because bernard said they were against the rules and so the fact that he printed this out um and you know that wanted her down there this is she's already kind of skirting into dangerous territory. And so um, but she kind of can't help herself because she does have a sort of a curiosity and uh, wants to figure out what the mystery is. And so she and, and George are working on the scene, but then it almost gets too far. And she's like, OK, uh, we'll get in trouble for this. So I'm getting out of here. I don't know anything about you, whatever, and kind of leaves. Um, but ultimately can't help herself. Right. So um, so. And we learn more about George in the next episode, um, which gives it a little bit more context. Um, But, you know, he doesn't seem to have the same reservations about finding out mysteries. He definitely, you know, when when they finally crack the code on this drive, um, he is going all over the place into these files. It's like a schematics of the silo. It has all this information. 
Um, it has videos. It has things that are definitely off limits. And the real tantalizing mystery yeah. box is this hard drive because there's hundreds of looks like hundreds of folders. Mm-hmm. How many files are in each of them? Like it's yeah, uh, that's that that would be hard to. I mean, but you do have to wonder why is George so focused on finding right. out these secrets when everybody else seems to be super scared of them and happy in their um in the order right um so so what is motivating him um and then ultimately like the the curiosity and the mystery of this drive is what drives Allison to keep taking things more further and gets her into the position that we see well again um, it's the impetus of she's at like the end of her get pregnant window yep. and she goes back to the fertility coach who also is a conspiracy theorist and says they don't want people like you to have a baby because you ask questions. Yeah. It's this overt thing that you don't want anybody who might shake up the status quo. Um, but I, I, I'm just, what I'm saying is like in this episode, this is a good way to prompt Allison into this forbidden area. Yep. She's like, you know, and, and Holston even says later, like, I think it was just too much for her not having the baby, which is a cop out. He's like not giving his wife the benefit of the doubt. Yep. But um, in a way, not having the baby led her to or not getting pregnant led her to start asking more questions and right. reaching out to even more uh, conspiracy minded folks than her. And so it did. Right. <laughs> so it actually spurred her on in a different way. Um and then, you know, the other question is, it's like, so if she's a person who asks questions, who's monitoring that? Is it judicial? Is it Bernard? Like, who is sort of paying attention to the fact that she's a person that they that they don't want to have uh, reproduce here um, and supposedly reproduce her ideas as well? Um, so I think that's one thing that they kind of left leave out there to, to find out later. Um and so, yeah, I think that this this definitely kind of puts her over the edge. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting is that, you know, you wonder what would have happened if she had figured that out earlier. What if she had quietly removed the birth control and then become pregnant? What would have happened? Would they have conveniently figured out a way for her not to? Is it is it that like, I don't know, it's it's going to be. Do you think she could have done that and not had a surgery to like sew herself back up? Well, maybe, but maybe you hide it. I don't know. But um, that's that's something that I was just thinking about. Like, what if she had been a little bit more subtle about it, which it's kind of hard to be subtle when you just, you know, basically yeah. gouged a chunk out of yourself. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, we hear a little bit more from her and they are incredible scenes between her and Holston after she finally yells out the, the thing that you should never yell out. And God. It's, this in the is cafeteria? So Jesus. The scene in the cafeteria and it's like, you know, here is the point where you could see the different types of um, viewpoints on this, just that she's overwrought because she doesn't have a child and she's upset. And she says the one thing you can never say is that she wants to go outside and she says it in a big group. There's no getting around it. And apparently when you say this, um they don't have any choice but to put you outside. This is the cardinal rule, the rule you never break. And it's even interesting because the mayor understands how how grave and horrible this is for Holston, for everybody, tries to come up with like, oh, well, maybe she could say she was misheard. Well, and Holston's like, no, she w- there's no way to do and that. And Marnes is like, we could right. kill all the witnesses. <laughs> right, right. So there's it's like 30 people. But I even don't think that would fly the- in, the, in the silo. And that's the thing. It's very deliberate. Even to try to find a way out of it, Holston's hands are tied and he knows it. And Allison knows it too, which is why she did it. Um, and there is just this, these great scenes between her and Holston when she's in the cell and talking to him. And we get a little bit of where she's coming from. And she believes that, you know, she's like, why does everybody clean the lens um, on the outside? because they don't need to. And there's this whole speech that goes along with it. That's like, you don't have to do it, but you can. And you should, you know, as a person, like this is the last act or whatever. And, and just sort of putting together the, the mystery that we now know they have, like the mayor makes a very like offhand remark about the fact that the lenses are dirty earlier in the episodes. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, oh, not that I wish for a cleaning. And so she, that's like kind of the first time she mentioned it, but it's not, you don't really get a sense of what that means. Um, 
and then you sort of see and hear about other people and like what they've done. And this, this scene between Alice and Holston is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's like, Oh, if it was reversed, I would be so upset with you too. And cause, cause it's a death sentence. Like everybody goes out, they clean the the lens and then they die. And even the um, thing, the, the big, the big mystery there is that she's telling him why, you know, when's the last time somebody didn't clean, even the guy I, who said you would, he would rather you put a bullet in his head went out and cleaned ultimately. And why do you think that is? And she's trying to, um, you know, this is her smoking gun. She like, she, not only has she handed him the uh, fertility, the, the, you know, the birth control capsule that uh, was her original proof. um, Now she's going to show him that it's actually all sunshine and butterflies outside because she saw that one video on the hard drive. And, uh, She's like, look, if it was bad, people would just run away. And this is what I this is what I promise you. Um, I will if it's if it's bad, I'll wave because I've made a huge mistake. And but if it's good, I'm going to clean. Um, and so she sets up that uh, issue for Holston to have to struggle with yeah. later, too. And and he does. And it's like, you know, we we get the you know, even when he writes his note, we see his sort of last day before he also makes this statement um and it's it, like it's equally heartbreaking when he does it as when she does it um even though it's with instead of um with his wife it's with his dear friend and colleague and his colleague is just begging him not to do it just like he begged her not to do it and so it's just the the symmetry between those two scenes i thought was really cool um if if heartbreaking um but then they jump into where like what led him to this point um which i thought again like the different timing the the sort of different showing of the this is a little bit of a i don't want to say a murder mystery but that's kind of what it is um and then we first see uh juliet nichols um played by rebecca ferguson and you know the whole the whole sort of mystery that brings him to Juliet is George's death and um and it just keeps getting deeper and deeper into d- the different relationships um so you know the first piece of information is that you've got this death of George um which may be a murder and most people think it's a suicide and sort of our intro to Juliet is that she's like an engineer and keeping the place running and you but it's so much more than that. You know, she, she's got a secret relationship with George. Um, and the reason why it's secret is because George has this illicit relics operation going on. And so then you're like, I don't know how you felt Stuart, but then it's like, well, who's, who's dealing in the trade of these relics. So if it's so bad for people to have them, that people get so afraid to even think about it, um, who is actually buying them. Right. So, and there must be this level of curiosity that is still there under the surface, even though people at face are saying, no, no, we won't, we're going to like follow the rules of the silo. So there is rebellion going on, but maybe just really buried deep. Um, and maybe it's at the deeper levels of the silo. Cause we're, we're, you know, Juliet and George and, the the people down in the lower part of the silo have a very different world than the people at the top. Yeah, uh, the and even the their their sheriff's deputy Hank Billy yeah. Postlethwaite is like, you know what? I don't really care if you had an unsanctioned relationship with George. Nobody down here cares. But um, you know, if you take this higher up, then it's going to raise eyebrows. So uh, yeah. he, he even he is kind of like way more chill. You get the impression that judicial doesn't have a lot of presence down here either. Right. Um, and they and, you know, so this is the you know, these are the engineers. These are the people that work on the generator. They're the people that it's very like um, much more manual labor. People are not dressed as nicely. Um, they have like kind of like just sort of worn clothing and, you know, compared to the top siders, which are, you know, more civilized, so to speak. Like this is the the mayor and the sheriff and um you know, the clothing looks a little bit different and cleaner and the people seem they're all punk rockers. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's kind of an interesting, like just even within the silo, the difference in this society um, and, you know, the, the top is at the top and the bottom is at the bottom. It's, it's kind of interesting. And yeah. um, it's a big difference but, between Mayor Johns and her like beautiful kimono style yep. clothing that she wears. And then uh, Juliet's like dirty sweater. Juliet's you know? off, you know, weird, weirdly sh- uh, fitting sweaters. And the other people that she works with who are all kind of grimy and have like but also even the, even, the, even the living quarters are like more crowded or dirty or like kind of improvised like george is living in this weird little corner um with all these knickknacks and I, again maybe part of that is because he's got to be a bit secretive because he's a rat collector but i think that is not where his like official domicile is obviously because that is like outside it's behind a sign that says passing past here is a violation of the pact. So that's just his like hideaway. It's the weirdest um, place for them to have a love den, honestly. But uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but even, you know, sort of the reveals of those things where um, Holston's looking into George's murder and he gets pulled into these things that are really big no-nos. Um, and you can see that he also is now having this curiosity probably because of his wife's death and the things that that raised um, and the mysteries that raised because he keeps saying things like, Oh, I should just go back and pretend like this didn't exist. We should just keep going on. We should not be exploring this. We should not be pushing the envelope here. Which is Um, what Allison first said to George too, when they unlocked the drive. It's it's almost, it's a very, it's an interesting uh, parallel. And even when Juliet first talk like she doesn't even fully talk about it but she kind of implies that she got a relic from george and then says no i didn't get that because holston's reaction is like oh i would have to turn that in or report it and then he's like but i wouldn't have to say where i got from and then things things just kind of go off the rails after that yeah from there he gets way less official i mean first of all they go down to find the digger the reveal of the digger, I feel like, is something did that happen early on in the books? I feel like that's not something I you learn remember. about so way later. I think it's later. Um, but this like massive machine, and it's all like it's underneath thirty feet of concrete and down huge like stretches of ladders. It's over a massive, uh, you know, expanse of dark water. It's kind of a terrifying place, honestly. But he gets yep. down there. They find, you know, some some other relics that George has left for her. And uh, yeah, he's, he's at first he's like, I got to get this to the incinerator. And then she's like, don't you don't you care about the truth? And he's like, well, OK, let me look into it. I'll, I'll send you a, I'll send you a message. He's very easy to persuade that there's more to it and that he shouldn't just do things by the book. Part of you makes part of you thinks like he wouldn't even be down there with her if he was doing things by the book like by himself right and i mean even in the the sort of they look they go and look at george's body um he looks at the site where george fell over the rails and tries to figure out if there was one of the porters which are the guys that go up and down the stairs all the time if somebody was a witness to it um and and really she doesn't have any evidence other than the fact that he didn't show up and was planning to show up and wanted to show her something um you know we saw him giving side eye to some of those sort of judicial looking guys but um she didn't necessarily see that uh before his death and so um she's just she knows george and was convinced that something bad happened to him that he was not suicidal um and she's probably right, um, given the things that we know about George. But she's probably right, but she does have zero proof, zero like, evidence. Um, yeah. And and people keep pointing that out. But I also think that, as Holston said, he he's listening to her because he wasn't listening to his wife or didn't feel like he was listening well enough. Um, and this takes just Holston. Like that's the other thing. Like they go into this, you know, you go from not even want to thinking about these relics to going into this whole world that you didn't have access to before that nobody else really has access to it's out of the it's out of the controlled range of the of the silo um and it's full like if a relic is illegal that that digger is like a big big relic and so um it's <laughs> it's really just sort of like you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, I guess. Um, and then that takes him on an equally destructive path. Um, he basically almost mirrors exactly what his wife did to some extent. Um, 
and then leaves the, the silo in a sense of disarray because it's a big deal that a sheriff goes out to clean. It's a big deal that a sheriff would do this. There's no uh, precedent for it in Mayor John's ledgers. Yep. Mayor, uh, the, mayor really, is, yeah. the mayor is really just not sure what to do. And we even see when people are um, witnessing him out there that there is unrest. People like start to fight with each other. Yeah. Well, that's kind of Juliet's fault. <laughs> I mean, people are freaked like, out, but then she gets up and starts yelling. He's a fucking liar. Yeah. And then people start fighting immediately, <laughs> yeah. which is, I, I thought that was actually kind of funny. Um, but yeah, yeah it gets settled like, down. And people, but people are trying to like line up at the recycling plant to get weapons to yeah. protect the families. What are they protecting them from? You know, there's, and then you see, we do see common here trying to, like you know the the long arm of judicial coming in there and putting um some order on it but it's scary order and basically wanting the names of everybody involved um who are sort of wait, having these little fights or tussles um and so we see a little bit of the the after effects of holston's death um but also the thing that Holston does that maybe riled people up even more is that he takes the helmet out off when he's outside and nobody really does that. Yeah. And dies pretty quickly. Um, well, we, this, and- this cleaning, the first cleaning of Allison's cleaning, we didn't really see anything from her perspective. All we saw was her right. actually do the cleaning and not do the wave. And then mm-hmm. she kind of stumbles over to the tree and falls down and dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when his cleaning scene, we do get to see it from his perspective. He is seeing the green grass, the trees, the birds, the blue skies. And he's like, Allison, you were right. Right. And he does go and cleans the cleans the uh, sensor. And then you kind of stop seeing things from his perspective, which is a bit of a bummer because I think in the because you want to. And that's kind of and in the book. But... In the book, you do get to see more of what he is actually seeing. Uh, which kind of, I mean, I think that's the end of the short story is like what, maybe that's why they're, they're holding it out a little bit for later, but you get to see more of, from his perspective, like, what is he actually witnessing out there? Uh, but his per his, our POV from, from his perspective stops, unfortunately, well, maybe not, maybe not, unfortunately, uh, but you just see him like struggle to get over to Allison's body after he takes off his helmet and then falls over dead. Well, and, and the point there though, is that when you're seeing it initially from his perspective, everything looks beautiful, but you don't see Allison's body. You don't see what, Yeah. you don't see. He still gets, he still makes his way over to her body because he's been like looking at where it was on the hillside. Right. Um, And you also don't like, despite the fact that it looks so amazing, or at least from his perspective, it looks so amazing. The sensor that you do see the sensor from outside of him and, or, and it's, why is it so dirty? Like it's covered in that it, gray dust. It, yeah. If it was nice out or if it was as beautiful out, where's the dust coming from? And so you get a sense that there's a dissonance and that there's a mystery here. And so, um, you know, but this was just truly effective, I thought. And, his death getting you know making it over to allison in time and then that's the at least at this point that's the end of their story except he has left another little bit of a mystery in that he left a note about who should succeed him as sheriff and this is something the mayor keeps saying and finally um uh marnes is like oh yeah, well, he did say he should succeed him because she's like, oh, if only he had said. And he goes, well, he did. And then it's like the mystery is, is that it's this engineer, uh, Juliet, that he recommended. And so she wants to meet her. Um, and uh, so that's kind of where it um, where it where it ends on on that note, except the, the last sort of bit of mystery is that Juliet uh, goes spelunking into the deep cave of water or whatever it is um on a rope which you know i don't know about you Stuart, but i couldn't climb a rope to save my life she's Um, pretty wiry she is wiry and an engineer so i'll I'll give it to her but you know she's going down into sort of this depth of thing and that she was scared to do that she didn't want to know when george was doing it and um that's kind of where she's left is like hanging on this rope over some water maybe yeah um so you know i guess that's where we, we will leave it for the next couple episodes. But I I have to say just at least as far as I, my viewpoint is that they are, they did a beautiful job with this. I thought that the storytelling, the writing, the acting, um, cinematography, all of this was just incredibly at, at least 
into episode two, an incredibly tight show. The pilot was my favorite of these two. Such a strong pilot. Mm -hmm. The second episode, slower burn. Um, And I think when we look at the third episode, we can talk about what I think could have made a made it into the second one from the third one, if you if you know what I mean. Um, But we'll 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 get there. But yeah, these are the show is like 87 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. People seem to be enjoying it, both critics and audience. And I think it's pretty clear why it's a it's a compelling story. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm just glad that they made it into a show from the books. Me too. But, uh, you know, I also this is something that you and I have talked extensively about, but I'm glad that they waited to make this into a show because to make this well, you need a certain level of budget and production to make it convincing. And I don't know that that would have been there at all when this first came out. And so I'm glad that for whatever reason, it got delayed until now. Um, So because I think that you need that level of production to be successful in telling this story, Um, to be able to show the silo in the way that it is. Um, And uh, again, I thought that they did such a great job at world building at showing their traditions the the freedom day like the weird little uh, temporary slide for the kids to go down uh their rituals surrounding it which is like you know they they have a lot of ceremony in the silo and a lot of rules to follow but part of that is so that they survive and people seem like they really want to hang on to that or most people do so uh so anyway we shall we shall continue with the next couple episodes next time yeah uh, and I'm looking forward to it. So if anybody else who's listening has read the books or seen the show and has thoughts, let us know what you think. You can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and you, we're on Twitter at reanimatedpcast. And our episodes are all online at reanimated.podbean.com. Um, I guess, you know, we didn't say at any point that this is a zombie free show. It's a little bit outside of our bailiwick, but it is super dystopian. And so. Yeah. We are going to be talking about it. And I guess AJ and I both really like these books. So yeah. you're stuck with it, I'm afraid. I hope yeah. you're enjoying it. <laughs> I still think zombie zombies are no. I think it's a pretty cool storytelling. So yeah. yeah. Looking forward to talking about the next couple of episodes with you next time. And I hope you feel better, Stuart. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Okay. Uh, bye for now. Ciao.